Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Calibri Mining Q3 2020 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's call is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Ryan King. Thank you. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for taking the time to join the call this morning. Before we get started, I'd like to direct everyone to the forward-looking statements on slide two. Our remarks and answers to your questions today may contain forward-looking information about the company's future performance. Although management believes that our forward-looking statements are based on fair and reasonable assumptions, actual results may turn out to be different from these forward-looking statements. For a complete discussion of the risks, uncertainties, and factors which may lead to actual operating and financial results being different from the estimates contained in our forward-looking statements, please refer to our 2019 annual MDNA and AIF available on our website as well as on CDAR. And finally, all figures are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise stated. Present today with me on the call are Russell Ball, Darren Hall, John Sieber, Mark Peterson, and Angela Johnson. We will be providing comments on our third quarter results, our near mine and infill drilling exploration programs, and our updated guidance for 2020, after which we'll be happy to take questions. The slide deck we'll be referencing is available on our website at calibermining.com under the events section. You can also click on the webcast, join the live presentation. With that, I'll turn the call over to Russell. Thanks, Ryan. Good morning, everyone. And thanks for joining us today on what is a very busy week for calls like this. Some of you may have seen Hurricane Edda made landfall earlier this week in northeast Nicaragua, leaving behind a trail of devastation and destruction in her wake. Fortunately, our people and assets were spared from her wrath. Notwithstanding, Caliber and Rio Tinto, our exploration partners on the Atlantic coast, have contributed resources and funds to government-led efforts to rescue those still at risk and to help rebuild homes and communities. Before getting into the details of our third quarter, I wanted to take a few minutes to discuss how we think about the business and where our priorities lie in regard to the allocation of capital, given the record cash flow we are generating. In respect to the gold price, in short, we are bullish and intend to deploy capital accordingly on the organic opportunities in front of us. Our focus with the last of the acquisition debt repaid last month and the balance sheet now debt-free is on reinvesting in the business. We have, I believe, a unique value creation opportunity in front of us, given a combination of the following. We have organic growth and are generating significant free cash flow to reinvest in the business. We have numerous exploration targets in the near mine and Gen X environments, including our partnership with Rio Tinto. 
We own and have the permits and people in place to operate the Libertad Mill with its more than 1 million tons per annum of surplus processing capacity. The country has well-established infrastructure to allow us to implement our hub-and-spoke operating philosophy on a very cost-effective basis. We have a host country government that is supportive of the mining industry, foreign direct investment, and most importantly, job creation. We have a well-established permitting process that, with reasonable assumptions, allows us to go from discovery to positive free cash flow in less than two years at very little incremental capital, giving the surplus mill capacity at Libertad. And we have a management team that is aligned with and focused on the interest of long-term shareholders. I'm extremely proud of what this team has accomplished over the past year since we took control of the assets. And I very much look forward to working with the team on the next 12 and 24 months. We have a lot of stuff in front of us. In that regard, we are currently working on finalizing our 2021 budget and expect board approval in early December. At that time, we'll be able to provide our 21 guidance to the street. Turning specifically to the third quarter, after the COVID-related suspension of operations for most of the second quarter, we had a successful restart in late June and delivered a strong Q3 with production exceeding budget. We produced 45,341 ounces, generated operating cash flow of 46 million, and net income of 33 million or 10 cents a share. All record numbers for Caliber. For the first three quarters, we produced 93,435 ounces. And as a result, have updated our 2020 guidance to reflect higher production and lower costs, a nice combination for the bottom line. The fourth quarter marks a significant shift in operations for us with the depletion of the spent or stockpiles around year end and the completion of mining at the satellite Havili Antenna open pits in the fourth quarter. As we transition into 2021, we will see production starting and then ramping up from Pavan Norte in Q1. And if I step back and look at 2021 as a whole, what we'll see is higher grade and lower throughput at the Libertad Mill. Again, a nice combination. During the quarter, we acquired the remaining 70% of the high-grade Eastern Barossi project, which hosts an inferred resource of 700,500 ounces of gold and more than 11 million ounces of silver. With the surplus processing capacity at the limited co complex, this now represents one of a number of opportunities for us to grow production organically through our hub-and-spoke approach. More from Darren shortly. On the exploration front, we reorganized the function at the end of the second quarter to align the near mine and infill drilling programs within the operations group, reporting to Darren, our COO. The generative exploration function, led by Mark Peterson, is now reporting directly to me as we focus and commit resources to reinvesting in the early stage of the business and the business pipeline. This is a part of the business that has seen very little capital over the past five years, and I'm excited about the work Mark is leading and the opportunities in front of that team. We will be providing a GenX update in the form of a news release before the end of November, and we have plenty to update you on. You will hear more about the near mine and infill drilling program from Angela Johnson, 
who is leading that program later on on today's call. Turning to slide four, you will see a summary of our third quarter results with record revenue, earnings per share, and operating cash flow driven by the strong production, lower operating costs, and record operating margins. Total cash costs and all-in sustaining costs were 786 and 963 per ounce, respectively, with Lamone producing at all-in sustaining costs of $934 an ounce and Libertad at all-in sustaining costs of $902 an ounce. On that note, I will turn it over to Darren for his more detailed operational update. Thanks, Russell. Turning to slide five. Firstly, I'd like to take a moment to recognize and thank all of our employees and business partners for their continued focus and efforts, which resulted in another excellent quarter, once again demonstrating our ability to deliver on our commitments. As Russell provided the consolidated third quarter physicals, I will focus on a few of the team's achievements since our second quarter call. Leveraging off rigorous COVID health and safety protocols, we successfully recommenced activities and returned operations to normal production levels during July. For the quarter, we delivered 45,341 ounces at an all-in sustaining cost of $963 per ounce, which is the highest production quarter since Q3 of 2016. I'm particularly proud of the work the team has done engaging with and supporting our host communities, an example of which is our community COVID awareness programs. Monthly, we are airing more than 1,000 television and 2,500 radio infomercials to assist in maintaining awareness, which coupled with entry screening to our operations has contributed to a marked decrease in confirmed and suspected COVID cases. Since recommencing drilling, our Neomine exploration team has drilled over 10,000 metres per month over the last four months. With completion of the infill programs, our focus has now shifted to resource expansion drilling the infill drilling results received to date support our earlier comments that we remain confident in our ability to upgrade a significant portion of the inferred mineral resources to indicated and therein convert to mineral reserves when we provide our resource and reserve update during the first quarter of 2021. Angela will discuss the drilling results a little later in the presentation. Integral to unlocking value with our hub and spoke strategy is the ability to transport all to Libertad. And I'm pleased to update that during the third quarter, we averaged 870 tonnes per day hauled from Limon, a 280% increase over the first quarter. During the quarter, we provided a multi-year outlook for our Nicaraguan assets. Based on current open pit mineral reserves and expected conversion of the mineral resources, the 10-year outlook for the Limon complex is anticipated to deliver between 50 to 70,000 ounces for gold at an all-in sustaining cost of between $900 and $1,100 per ounce. Based on the Libertad Complex preliminary economic assessment issued in August, it is expected to generate an average of 120,000 ounces per year at an all-in sustaining cost of $906 per ounce over the next three years, whilst utilising only 45% of the installed processing capacity. It's important to note that of the mineral resources reviewed for the PEA, only 60% of the indicated mineral resources and 40% of the inferred mineral resources were included, an overall inclusion of less than 50%. I see this as a strong foundation from which to build, as our understanding of the assets continues to improve, coupled with updated deposit models and technical reports incorporating drilling since 2018, which will be completed in the first quarter of 2021. 
Demonstrating the importance of maintaining effective external stakeholder relations, we have during the quarter completed construction of the four kilometre Pavon Norte access road, received all required permits for the Pavon Norte open pit and commenced mine development. The ore transport contract to Libertad has been executed and we anticipate delivering ore from Pavon Norte to Libertad during the first quarter of 2021. It's worth noting that there has been no active exploration at Pavon since 2014, and our exploration team sees significant upside potential. We currently have three drills at Pavon, focused on infill, geotechnical and condemnation drilling in support of our ongoing PFS and mine development. Once that drilling is complete, the focus will turn to resource expansion drilling during the latter part of the fourth quarter. Turning to slide six, an excellent quarter at Le Mans with the team delivering record production of 22,079 ounces at an all in sustaining cost of $934 per ounce. The watering and development works are progressing at Pantheon as we continue to see strong growth potential from recent drilling with the ore body open down plunge into the southeast. Turning to slide seven, another pleasing quarter at Libertad with the team delivering 23,262 ounces at an all-in sustaining cost of $902 an ounce. We recommenced operations at Hoverley Underground during the quarter, which, for which I would like to acknowledge the efforts and supportive engagement of the Ministry of Energy and Mines and the local community at Barrio Hoverley. During the quarter, all deliveries averaged 870 tonnes per day from Limon, a 280% increase over the first quarter. Importantly, I'd like to note that the team averaged 1,040 tonnes per day in the last two months, that being September and October. As Russell mentioned earlier, we acquired the remaining 70% of the high-grade Eastern Brassi project during the quarter. During September, Libertad received our first ASM or deliveries from these concessions. I believe that a key to unlocking value from the Eastern Brassi project will be looking at the assets from a different perspective a fresh set of eyes, if you will, not only for the exploration growth potential, which Angela will talk to shortly, but also in the existing resources as an operator who has installed an available mill capacity within trucking distance, a vastly different value proposition compared to a junior explorer. We've commenced scoping level work, but let's consider Guapanal, one of the one of the resources at EBP. It's a near surface oxide deposit with a published inferred resource of 612,000 tonnes, grading 12.7 grams per tonne. Assuming a relatively conservative eight grams per tonne mined, that is a 40% reduction over the resource grade, each 250 tonnes per day processed at Libertad would generate more than 21,000 incremental lowest cost ounces annually which clearly illustrates the untapped value from the available mill capacity at Libertad. The above example illustrates the value which we realise as our hub and spoke strategy evolves, even before considering additional exploration success, which we anticipate from these prolific and enduring epithermal trends. Which is a good segue into our exploration update, for which I'd like to introduce Angela Johnson, who is our Senior Exploration Manager for our near mine programs. Thanks, Darren. Slide eight. The near mine drilling programs have been focused on near mine discoveries, extending currently defined resources, as well as infill drilling to increase confidence and ensure stronger predictability in our models to guide operations, as Darren mentioned earlier. 
I will speak more on the programs a bit later, but first I wanted to highlight some of the initiatives we have completed this year in regards to data and core management. We have successfully migrated our inherited data sets into a unified database, which links into our newly implemented digital logging platform. This allows for more efficient, streamlined core processing and tracking, as well as for improved QAQC and managing of data flow. We have also purchased four automated core saws, which will not only expedite core cutting, but more importantly, improve safety for our teams. Turning to slide nine. Over 18,000 meters of infill and expansion drilling has been completed at Limon during 2020, of which approximately 50% is disclosed publicly to date. Infill drilling was focused on areas in order to upgrade a large portion of our 745,000 ounces of inferred material to indicated and from there to reserves. We saw infill drilling at Limon Norte open pit intersect 14.8 grams per ton gold over 3.3 meters and 9.6 grams per ton gold over 4.4 meters as the vein maintained good continuity and thickness, while Pantheon returned its best intercept to date, 150 grams per ton over 5 meters, further defining a new second high-grade ore chute, both of which remain open at depth and a long strike towards the south, which has limited drilling. Turning to slide 10. At La Libertad, we've completed over 36,000 meters of infill and expansion drilling during 2020 of which approximately 55% is disclosed to date. The infill program target our largest inferred resource, Habili West Underground, which contains 315,000 ounces of 7.87 gram per ton material. Drilling results during the quarter return grades in line with our expectations over mineable widths and outlined areas which remain open below the currently defined resources for expansion down plunge and a long strike to the west. Turning to slide 11. For the balance of 2020, resource expansion drilling at Limon will continue to focus on the northern part of the main Limon vein system, while we also aim to grow the high-grade chutes at Pantheon down plunge towards the southeast. Additional high-priority targets include Beta Nueva and its on-strike extension target Atravesada to the northeast, where previous results have turned, returned 18.4 grams per ton gold over 3.6 meters and 31 grams per ton gold over 2.6 meters. At La Libertad, heavily underground resource expansion drilling will continue to be a top priority for the remainder of 2020. We will also continue resource expansion drilling at Rosario and Socorro, both of which are open on strike and at depth, which have returned several two to six gram per ton hits over three to seven meters. In addition, we are also currently following up on high-grade intercepts at Escandalo and El Carmen, which are analogous parallel vein structures to Habili and lie approximately 1.5 kilometers to the northwest of the main Habili vein. Finally, we expect to release approximately 19,000 meters of drill results next week on our progress to date. And with that, I'll let Russell take you through closing comments. Thanks, Angela. Before taking questions, I just wanted to conclude by noting a couple key points. We continue to responsibly deliver on our commitments to all of our stakeholders. As you heard, the infill and near mine drilling programs will increase our confidence in the underlying models and mine plans for future production. In addition, I expect a significant upgrade in indicated resources at year end as inferred material gets upgraded as a result of this year's infill drilling program, which Angela touched on. The recent Eastern Barossi acquisition provides another opportunity for organic growth 
and work has already started on two fronts. Under Mark Peterson's group, to look at the expiration upside around what we just acquired, and through Bill Patterson and in Darren's group to study what it will take to turn one or more of the deposits into the next spoke for our Libertad hub. And finally, we are focused on reinvesting in the business through the drill bit with the aim of delivering outstanding financial returns, and we'll be providing more details on our progress in both the NEAR, MINE, and INFIL program and the nascent Gen X program, as I mentioned earlier, later this month. Operator, with that, we are happy to take questions. At this time, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Our first question comes from the line of Baiz Habab of Scotiabank. Hi, Russ and uh, Caliber team. Uh, congrats on a great quarter, and uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, Morning, Avesh. Thank you. So just, uh, Russ, just starting off with uh, the revised guidance, uh, which will essentially increase production and reduce costs for the full year. Uh, to achieve the high end of the revised guidance uh, range of 130,000 ounces, year-to-date production of 93,400 ounces implies Q4 production around 37,000 ounces which is 18% lower than Q3 and 11% lower than Q1 production. Now, are you just being conservative with the revised guidance, or are you expecting throughput or grade movement in uh, Q4? Yeah, so I'll take a stab, and then Darren can jump in. We will see slightly lower grade. You know, we continue to see positive reconciliations at Le Mans. But I think the bigger issue is the uh, reduction or the, the mind-out heavily antenna open pit. We won't see any feed. And as we got into the bottom of that pit, we saw some very good grades, not only on the gold side, but on the silver side, which helped as well. So the other factor just to bear in mind is is the Christmas shutdown. You know, we'll effectively be down on the processing end from uh, around the 15th of December. So there are a number of factors there that, um, you know, as we looked at the quarter, um, the cessation of mining at uh, heavily antenna, um, you know, we'll be slightly lower. It, you know, it depends on the grade. If we continue to see positive grade reconciliations, we'll certainly be at the high end and, and maybe a little over. But at this stage, it's too early for us to call. We did know that the, uh, you know, the 125 number that we had out there, certainly we were going to exceed that. So we wanted to provide our best guess. And, um, you know, we'll see how the quarter plays out. Darren, anything you'd add? No, you covered it all there, Russ. Nothing material there, mate. Okay, perfect. And just uh, so, so just in terms of you know how things are moving along with uh, you know the, any impacts from COVID. Um, so, are you seeing or getting impacts by COVID going to Q4, and and how are you dealing with this? I mean, we we have a new normal, as Darren alluded to, as far as how we operate, the physical separation, um, the provision of obviously the facilities to to provide sanitation and all of that good stuff the the education piece continues but it's on a day-to-day basis you know we're managing through it um one of the challenges just like in your business of is today is you know the senior team is is scattered around the world and and we normally spend a good or traditionally it's been a good period of our time in country and you know we're not able to do that until flights get re-established so you know, that's probably the biggest interruption, certainly for the people on the ground. Um, 
they're dealing with the the new normal that I think everyone's living in. So I'd say that, um, yeah, we're in the new normal and we don't see any significant impacts. You know, borders are open. We're still able to get consumables in. There's no issues getting Doray out. So, you know, from that aspect, it's it's business as near normal, I think, as uh, as it can be. Perfect question. And that's that's it for me. And just uh, great. Thanks for uh, for taking my questions and great quarter. And uh, looking forward to getting some uh, exploration results from you guys. Yeah, we'd actually hope to be able to talk to some of the work Angela's been doing this week. But what we've seen is a call it a two to three week turnaround delay from the labs as they readjust to life under the new normal under COVID and provide the physical distances that they need. It's just been difficult to get the turnaround. So, you know, we we try to get it in, but we just couldn't get it done. So you'll hear uh, in a week or so as we collate all of that data and get it out. And, uh, yeah, be uh, happy to chat following that. Perfect. Thanks, Russ, and uh, thanks for taking my questions. Appreciate it, Elvis. Thanks for the support. Your next question comes from the line of Justin Chan. Hi, guys. It's uh, Justin Chan from Sprite, newcomer to these quarterlies. But um, just my first one is on um, on costs, and I'm just looking at your outlook for your five-year outlook and specifically your all-in-sustaining at Libertad next year, just over a 1,000. Are you tracking ahead? And I realize there's some operational changes coming, but as you stand right now and understanding that your budget isn't finalized yet, can you give us any breadcrumbs on are you tracking ahead or uh, of your guidance or your outlook on costs as you stand now? Yeah, as, as you said, it's, it's a little early, but uh, we're going through that review process as we speak. I think, you know, as I think about that all-in sustaining cost, I think at the cash cost level, we're probably seeing some positives. But as we reinvest in the business, if you think about this infill drilling as an example, some of the exploration that we're ramping up, we, we see additional spend on what I'd call the future, which gets captured in that sustaining capital. So, you know, as we sit today, those two are sort of balancing each other out. And really, it's going to be a function of, you know, how much we choose to reinvest back into the business. And, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I think um, the, the opportunities in front of us for the value creation are significant and, and we are reinvesting in the business. So, you know, that's a discussion we'll be having with the board the first week of December, and then we'll be able to communicate, you know, where we expect to be. I will say, though, that going forward, you should expect to see Libertad and Lamont really shown as one number because that's how we're running the business. The two facilities, the trucking of ore, the sharing of people um, is really what's driving this value creation. And, and the more and more we look at the business, the less we have a Lamont and a Libertad, and the more we have um, two processing facilities that are processing ores for a n- number of different pits and undergrounds. So, you know, I think that's the shift we'll move is you'll see one number. We'll still provide the the breakout separately, but really we don't think about the businesses Lamont and Libertad anymore. It's it's how do we drive the most value by, by processing ore at either one of the two facilities. Understood. Um, and perhaps I'll, I'll ask a, a variant of, of a similar question, but I- incorporating your answer. Um, your, 
I presume you will have ability or discretion to increase the scope of work, so choose, for example, how much development and stripping to budget for next year. But um, do you feel that you're tracking ahead in terms of what money gets you in terms of um, your actual unit costs, your deliverables versus the, the PEA you put out, or, or are things tracking more in line, would you say? Yeah, no, I, I'd say we're, we're probably on the favorable side. I use expiration as example. If you look at the revised guidance, you know, I think we're a million or two lower. We're still putting the same meters in the ground, but that's realizing the efficiencies and some of the work we're doing on the supply chain to drive down unit costs. So I'd say overall on the unit cost basis, if that's the question, um, we've seen cost trend down. Um, we, we aren't a huge consumer of diesel, so we don't have that exposure that a lot of these big open pits have. Um, so, yeah, no, I think on a unit basis through a lot of good work that the supply chain team under Juan Becerra is doing, um, we're actually seeing positives. So it's to, to your earlier question, I think it's more about how many units we intend to use as opposed to the price zero. Gotcha. Thanks very much. Um, that's it for me, but I really appreciate the color. Pleasure, Justin. Welcome. Your next question comes from the line of Jordy Mark of Haywood Securities. Yeah, good day, all. Congrats on a good quarter. Um, yeah, great run through. From Thanks, Jordy. Leading out of, out of COVID. Um, a number of questions have already been asked. Um, maybe I can focus on on haulage and and the more you touched a little bit about uh, grade profile and uh, running from maybe Q3 to Q4. Um, are you looking at mine sequencing rather than grade reconciliation potentially still still giving you some good well north reserve uh, grades above? or let's call it mine grades above reserve average for Q4 and maybe next year. Um, and given what uh, highlights Darren gave in terms of more recent uh, haulage rates, are we expecting that to go forward um, as, a, as a blend out of Lamont into Libertad? And will that offset lower grade material or just augment um, material so greater throughputs uh, at the plant? Okay, um, I think two quick two questions in there, and I'll turn them over to Darren. One, one around the haulage rates, and then the grade profile at um, Le Mans Central. So, Darren. Yeah, hi, Jordy. Um, from a, a, a movement perspective, you know, as I as I kind of mentioned, we had a good progress in the third quarter, September and October. Uh, we've we've averaged in both months over a thousand tons a day. So we see that trend continuing. So in terms of establishing reliable transport between the properties, um, you know, I, I don't see any issues in that space. And in terms of unit rates, um, you know, we're not seeing uh, any surprises there from a from a cost perspective. You know, if you look at it at today, um, uh, again, it's say $50, $50 barrel oil, you're at you know, just under $25 a ton from Limon to Libertad um, and probably just at $30 a ton from Pavon next year would be in those sort of ranges. Into grades, there's two components to that. You know, we are seeing some variability on a deposit model perspective. There are some swings and roundabouts, but, but generically speaking, if we talk about the fresh rock coming out of Limon, we are seeing a positive 
in that space. We're also seeing the benefit of a greater volume. So because we're mining more tons and we're processing at Limon, of course the Limon guys are picking the best grade to be able to put through the mill and the balance of the grade is being put through to Libertad. Um, so you know, we're agnostic as to where the, where the material gets treated, it ends up with the same recoveries and, and throughputs. So uh, models are performing well, you know, a modest, um, a modest positive there from a, a run of mine perspective. Um, I, I think that's answered your questions. Yeah, that, that's uh, good on that, that front. Just uh, I guess ultimately there's a, a reserve average rate and I guess this performance just in terms of mine sequencing, you know, some components are going to be above reserve average, but reconciliation is still going to be, you know, normal. It's not going to be above because that's just the nature of the morphology of the deposit. So I was just wondering whether you're expecting grades to be to to be to be higher in the next couple of quarters because of that sequencing, or uh, just yeah. continue to reserve well, it, it, model reserve grades. It, it, it's both, Jordi, and I guess is that you know I guess is that I'd, I'd lead you to look at the indicator versus inferred grades in the deposit as well. So if we look at Le Mans Central, I don't have the numbers in in front of me, so I might be a little bit out. But from memory, I think the indicator grade at Le Mans Central is like 4.24. The inferred grade is about 5.8. So if you looked at a blended average of that, which the regulators don't like you to combine, but it's around 4.8 grams per ton. Looking at um, uh, the kind of the, the resource average grade. Now, of course, is that if we look at the reserve average grade, it's about 4.25, which would be consistent with indicated because, again, the proven and probable needs to be on the include indicated. So as we, as we convert that inferred to indicated this year, we'll see a step up in average reserve grade as well. Right? So there's a little bit of that balancing going on. If you looked at the reconciliation with respect to resource, you know, kind of agnostic to categorization from indicator versus inferred, we are seeing a little bit of a bonus there in terms of uh, the run of mine portion or the fresh rock. Okay, great, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Justin Stevens of PI Financial. Morning, everyone. Uh, congratulations on a great quarter. A uh, bunch of my questions have Thanks, been Justin. Checked off here, um, but just a few more. Uh, what are the next steps uh, that you need to go through before you could mine at the Eastern Borough City? Like, is there a study needed before you can submit a permanent application? Yeah, so on the Eastern Borough City, I mean, that, that was a legacy caliber asset. We, we had managed that program on the ground. The individual that managed it for the last 10 years, Mark Cianci, is intimately involved with what we're doing on the ground there. So it's not like we're picking it up cold. Um, so the work Mark Peterson, Peterson's group is doing is, is really looking at what might be. Remember that there's 700,000 ounces and 11 million ounces, sorry, 700,000 ounces of gold and 11 million ounces of silver. It was off about 55,000 meters of drilling over about seven years. So what we see and, and what we have, at least in the draft budget, is somewhere around 20 to 30,000 meters to go after expansion of that resource. There there remain significant untested targets um, on strike at depth and, you know, part of the budget exercise is deciding how much capital we're going to allocate to that. The second effort commenced, you know, right as we acquired the asset, we consolidated the data and, and we're doing a, what I call a cold eyes review. So 
independent consultants, various specialties, looking at, you know, the data we have and what gaps there might be. And really that's the study work that Bill Patterson under Darren's, in Darren's group at least, is leading um, to determine what it will take to turn those expiration ounces on the book, so to speak, into production ounces. And, you know, we've j- just been through a very similar exercise at Pavon. If you look where we were at Pavon a year ago, I'd actually say we're, we're further ahead of our understanding at uh, the Eastern Barossi. And remember, historically, the Eastern Barossi was always viewed as standalone and had to carry 100 to 150 million in capital for a processing facility and sales, et cetera. You know, the beauty of this transaction was that we could now look at that Eastern Barossi just like we did at Pavon from a study perspective and look at it as a satellite pit. And that, to Darren's point earlier, will drive significant value. So uh, the cold ice review is scheduled to be completed and the report finalized the end of this month. Um, the study work has been going on in parallel, and we'll ramp that up. And so you should look for updates next quarter as to, you know, what we need to do to progress and the timing around that progression to turn it into the next satellite. But, you know, I look at the work we did at Pavon. It's very analogous to the work we're going to do there, even as Darren mentioned earlier. I mean, if you look at Pavon under B2 Gold, it was a small uh, underground resource. We turn it into an open pit, a lot bigger, through that 43-101. We're going to look at some of the Eastern Barossi on a very similar vein, just as Darren mentioned. Um, and I think you'll see that work play out over the next year. So if I look at it, it's sort of study in 2021, fill the gaps, get the required permits 2022, um, develop and production 2023. But it's very early, but I'm excited about that opportunity. This this hub and spoke really unlocks that whole Atlantic piece. And then we have now a significant center of gravity out there with Rio Tinto as we look at on the ground expiration um, in 2021. A lot of uh, line kilometers planned to be flown to increase the geophysical data set. So um, you know, the, uh, certainly the, the Atlantic coast there, the Barossi district is going to pick up, um, and the center of gravity will, will sort of move that way as we look at developing, you know, some of these high grade resources we just acquired. No, that's great. Um, I'm assuming that study you're mentioning though is just an internal, uh, sort of scoping study for, uh, yeah, it's, it's internal. It's ours. And then obviously we'll, we'll, We'll progress that into a pre-fees and fees, similar to what we're doing at Pavon, where we'll yeah. be putting out a pre-fees here um, early next year, I think sometime in the first quarter, if I remember the schedule. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and just, uh, has there ever been network done uh, on some of that Eastern Barossi material? Or is that yeah, they part has. of the plan? No, there was network done. There needs to be more, admittedly. Um, but there was work done by ourselves and I am Gold. Um, there was, there's been a lot of historic mining. It's a very historic and prolific district. I mean, Naranda, Falconbridge were in there. Um, the Middle Ages does get more complex. You, you start to see the scones, the porphyries. You see a lot more silver, as you, you can see in some of those resource tables. So, yeah, that's an area certainly we're going to be doing more of. I'd say the other one is sort of geotech drilling around, you know, where we set pit walls mm. and set strip ratios, obviously. So those are the two areas. 
we know the haulage costs, we know the operating costs, um, we've got the back end, so to speak, down at Libertad. So it's really understanding, you know, what the development is. There'll be some land acquisition, um, obviously, and, and some permitting. So we're working on that schedule and, um, you know, look forward to updating you in uh, 2021 as the year progresses as to how things are going. Sounds good. Uh, last one for me would just be, uh, what's, what are you guys uh, looking for for timing on your reserve and resource update? I'm assuming uh, sort of end of uh, year and then probably uh, maybe around February. Yeah, so it's the data cutoff is effectively passed. It's the end of October. Okay. And then, you know, we'll, do, we'll, we'll be cranking the models internally and uh, sort of end of February reserve resources and then updated technical reports. I think it's end of March time frame. And Got so it. what, and is, what that, those is that going to be for – sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. The uh, updated technical reports we'll be filing two. One will be for Libertad. One will be for Lamont. And that will effectively replace and update what we provided from a multi-year outlook uh, back in August, I think it was, if memory serves. Remember, that was largely based on the B2 gold data that we inherited. We'll basically now update that for everything, data-wise at least, through the end of October. And again, you'll see that in reserve resources, call it end of February, and then technical reports uh, end of March. And, you know, at that stage, I think the technical reports will reflect our best guess, you know, circuit today from a data and knowledge perspective. Perfect. So that'll include all the all the drilling that's been done on like the the Pantheon resource and everything, and, and the, the drilling on Lima Central and Norte as well. Then. Correct. Basically, uh, all the drilling through the end of last month. Perfect. Great. That's it for me. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate the time. <clears throat> Your next question comes from the line of Stephen Green of TD Securities. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Steve. Um, morning. Uh, just, just quickly, uh, most of my questions have been asked uh, and answered. Um, just, just the one on on Limon, Limon Central, and, and the Limon Mill. Can we assume now that that's a hundred percent of that ore fee going through that mill is is now from Limon Central? And in terms of of costs, uh, are those unit costs we're seeing? Is that something we can we can expect now to be fairly consistent going forward? I'll flip that one to Darren uh, in Perth. Go ahead, Darren. Yeah, hi, Stephen. Um, I guess this is, sorry, the, the, the two questions. I missed the first part. Sorry, I had a bad connection. Yeah, this is, is uh, was all the, the mill throughput at Limon from, from Limon Central uh, in the quarter? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was a blend. It, you know, some of the material would come from Santa Pancha and Vedanueva, but the majority of the material had come from the Mon Central. Looking forward, it will be a combination of as well, particularly with the advent of Pantheon. Um, you know, we could expect that you know Pantheon uh, would be would supplement the feed next year, but the majority of the the feed volumetrically would come from Limon Central. Okay, great. And Darren, and, second part of the question, operating costs um, from Q3 uh, for the mill processing facility, indicative of future costs? Yeah, from, yeah, from a unit cost perspective, absolutely. Um, you know, as, as Russ alluded to, you know, we've made good progress on, on, on our commercial space, so we'll start to see 
you know, the benefits of those uh, renegotiated bulks and, and consumables work their way through the process as we uh, as we uh, run through inventory. So we'll start to see some lower unit costs from a cost per ton mine, a cost per ton mill process. You know, we'll continue to be unrelenting and looking for opportunities to improve efficiencies as well. So on the on the consumption piece, we'll see some some improvements, and of course, the resultant all in sustaining costs will be a function of grade, and that will vary. Yeah, period by period, depending on where you happen to be in the deposit, and visibly the discussion was happening with Geordie just a little bit ago. So there will be some variability in the place, but the guidance we provided uh, mid-August still maintains. And uh, yeah, when we update the reserves and resources at year end, which will include uh, you know, a significant portion of uh, the future as reserve, we'll have those financials embedded within the technical reports so that will basically supersede and replace the PEA. Great. Okay, great. That's that's all I have. Thanks a lot, and, and congrats on the quarter. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the support and picking up coverage. Sir. Your next question comes from the line of Farouk Hamid of Raymond James. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, so the question I have is, um, I'm looking at, or I'm listening to kind of the opportunity set and some of the things that you're going to be working on for the next, you know, year, and it does sound interesting, but it doesn't strike me that it's all that capital intensive. So, so Russell, my question is, you know, you've had a very strong free cash flow quarter. You've, you've got $50 million in the bank, no debt. You're going to have very strong operating cash flows at these gold prices. So the cash balance should continue to grow even with, you know, uh, increased spending on exploration and even with some increased spending on development of some of these opportunities. So I'm, I'm wondering about your capital allocation. You, you talked about reinvestment in the business, but what other opportunity sets do you see in front of you as your cash balance continues to grow? Yeah, Farouk, um, it's fortunate the position we're in, I call it a bit of a Hollywood problem. I, I'm not concerned with a lazy balance sheet where I accumulate cash. At this stage, you know, we haven't even entertained the thought or discussion at the board level around a dividend. Quite frankly, you know, as, as I look at the business, it's a growth story. And similar to tech, if you've got the opportunities for growth, you know, I think the stakeholders, shareholders we've spoken to are, are willing to entrust that capital to us to reinvest in the business. So, you know, the question will be how much we, we choose to reinvest next year. And that's really the discussion we're having as a senior team. Um, you know, we, our pits are basically run at 1400 and we don't have a lot of sensitivity just given the high grade nature. We don't have these low grade halos, these big open pits like in Nevada where, you know, waste turns into ore. We're pretty much binary. So, you know, our pits are at 1400, but we think about the business at 1800 from a cash flow perspective. And I firmly believe that that will be conservative in light of, you know, the myriad of economic, financial, and other issues um, the world faces. And, you know, everyone has a view. Ours is bullish, and we intend to invest accordingly. So, you know, we are debt-free, to your point. We're generating free cash flow. You know, the, the balance sheet will take care of itself. And we'll look to be, you know, prudent stewards of capital. But I think what we will do is is certainly from where we were a year ago is – look at reinvesting back into the business on a number of fronts. We've got to develop Pavon. We've got to acquire more land there. Similar story will happen at um, the Eastern Barassi. 
you know, we, we're talking to Rio about what the budget's going to be for exploration on their ground, and then Mark on the Gen X side, which hasn't been funded, if you think about it realistically, um, for the last five plus years. So, you know, we have a number of opportunities that we think can add real value um, in a very short time frame, and that's the unique opportunity that I see, is we have this mill, it's paid for, it's installed, we have the people, the permits, we need to find feed. And so as, as we look at Nicaragua, essentially, you know, the whole country becomes a satellite pit for us. And so, yeah, you know, we will still generate significant free cash flow after investments. And the plan right now is it can sit on the balance sheet. And, uh, you know, at some stage we'll figure out what to do with it. But I can say that, you know, the board hasn't entertained any discussions around a dividend. And I don't see that on the agenda, at least for the next year, as we look at growing the business. I have a personal goal in my long-term objectives, which I've shared with some people internally and externally, is 235,000 ounces out of Nicaragua in 2023. And I believe that's eminently doable with the assets in front of us. And, um, you know, that's really what we're focused on. And, uh, you know, we have the, like I say, the fortunate position to your point. Yeah, the, the capital, um, that we need to deploy won't go into uh, processing facilities as such, but it will go into land acquisition. Um, and then there's capital, obviously, to develop these deposits, you know, whether you call it deferred stripping or, or, or whatever. So. Yeah, I mean it's a it's an enviable position to be in, and um, you know I feel very uh, blessed to be in the spot we I am with the team we have that are you know they're all focused on one thing, and and that's the long term uh, opportunities in front of us. Yeah, we need to consistently execute and deliver in the short term, and you know when we acquired the assets a year ago, there were a lot of people who who looked at the older assets as tired, um, and in the case of Libertad, you know approaching approaching closure actually a couple months ago, if you, you believe the street consensus at the time. So, you know, we've done a lot in a pretty short period. A year went by pretty quickly. And, you know, I see the next year being just as busy with just as many value creation opportunities internally. So a long answer, but hopefully that addressed your question. Yeah, no, it does. Um, I think what I was driving at more, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's definitely been gratifying to see how quickly the hub and spoke strategy has come together and translated into free cash flow. Um, I guess part of what I was driving at more was what other Eastern Barossi type opportunities do you see? Are there some that are that are not under your control right now that would fit within the radius of the hub and spoke strategy? Is that something potentially we could see with excess cash flows, you know, in terms of the reinvestment in the business? No, as as I look at it, the we have more than our more than we can deal with on our plate and the Gen X update you'll hear about before the end of the month, you know, we've got a good pipeline coming organically. So no, um we're not thinking about deploying capital uh externally in Nicaragua. Um our focus is on, you know, what we have, what we've acquired recently. And then what we've staked, and we've staked a lot of ground under the Gen X program in the last uh, three to four months as we've, you know, combined all these data sets, uh, got some new people in to help. And, um, yeah, you'll see an, an update on that and the Nearmind program, Angela, by the end of November, as I said earlier. So, no, we're not looking uh, to deploy capital externally in Nicaragua. Okay, thanks. And then just finally, you had previously talked about the potential of maybe tolling some artisanal or 
um, with the excess capacity you have at Libertad. Is that still a consideration or do you have too much, you know, kind of sources of ore on your own now that you don't have to consider that? No, absolutely. That's an opportunity for us. I put that firmly in the opportunities bucket. We um, we are acquiring some artisanal ore from Pavon. We have some artisanals there that we've been working with. Great relationship. Gives us an opportunity to run that through the plant. And to the earlier question, I actually forgot to mention we are acquiring and have acquired artisanal ores from the Barossi, so from the Atlantic concessions. And again, that's twofold. One is it lets us understand the metallurgy and, and the recoveries and, and those issues. But, but just as importantly, it establishes a relationship with the artisanals. And so um, they're key stakeholders in the whole process. You know, they're entitled to 1% of the concession. Um, and, you know, B2 did a great job on that side, and we've continued to evolve that relationship. So I look at that as an opportunity. If you look at next year, we'll be under a million tons at Libertad. As I said earlier, we're mining out heavily antenna. The the spent ore stockpiles will be done. So we have in excess of, you know, 1.2, 1.3 million tons of processing capacity. And, and that, quite frankly, I've said this before, after our people, that's the most valuable asset we have in the company. So, you know, anything we can do to fill that is value accretive. And um, that's really the focus of Angela's program on the near mine, that 80,000 meters, and then the work. Mark Ciancy and Mark Peterson are doing on the Gen X side. So, um, yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Russ. That's it for me. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. There are no further questions at this time. I will now hand the call back over to the team for closing remarks. Thanks, uh, operator, and uh, everyone, appreciate your time. Um, we're around. Angela's here. I'm surprised no one had any questions for her. She must have nailed it. But Ryan and I are here. Darren's always available. John on the financial side. Um, appreciate the support and continued interest. And uh, look forward to talking to you, or most of you at least, on the new in the new year. Take care. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.